This afternoon, I'm here in St. Augustine, Texas, talking with Mr. Kevin Dutton. He is the district attorney of not only St. Augustine County, but next door to Sabine County as well. And he's got a lot to tell us about what's going on here in East Texas. Good afternoon, Mr. Dutton. How are you doing, Georgia? <laughs> I'm good. We just finished a long, long day of hearings. Yes, long day in court. Uh, glad it's over. Glad to be here, though. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's over. Okay, well, uh, to start off, can you give us kind of a description of the demographics of the people in your communities here who you serve? Okay, uh, well, it's a very rural community. We have my district, which is the first judicial district of the state of Texas. We have uh, two counties, both of them very similar in size, about 10,000 people in each county. We're blessed. We have probably two of the biggest lakes in the state of Texas, one in Sabine County, Toledo Bend, which is right on the border, and Sam Rayburn's in St. Augustine County. So we have a very large retirement community that, live, that have retired and live out on the lake. Demographics from a racial standpoint, I would say Sabine County is probably 60 to 70% Caucasian. St. Augustine County is probably a little bit closer to 50-50, maybe, yeah, probably closer to 50-50 Caucasian. Uh, although we do, as every area I believe in the state of Texas, we have a growing Hispanic community Right. in, in both counties. Like I said, both, both counties have very large retirement uh, populations. Okay. Um, what do you like best about living in this area? Well, I grew up in Sabine County. I mean, this is this is home. What do I like the most about here? Obviously family, friends that I grew up with, and there's a lot to do. I mean, you've got the lakes, you've got woods if you're a hunter. It's, it's just really a beautiful part of the state. It is beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. Tell us a little bit now about your, about your job. I know you've been elected for several terms. You've been here a long time. What do you like best about being a prosecutor, uh, a district attorney? You know, I'm, I'm in my fourth term. You know, it is probably one of the most personally fulfilling jobs I've had as a lawyer. I like representing the state of Texas and the people of my district in, in, in criminal cases. I like seeking justice for the people that have been wronged. I mean, I really like my job in that in that respect. It's it, it's a fun job. Uh, it's not necessarily a nine to five job, but some days it's a lot less, and a lot of weeks it's a lot more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to kind of flip that on the other side, what are some of the biggest challenges you face? You know, uh, right now, you know, in, in the past, I would say my biggest challenge has has just been, you know, getting cases, getting them to trial to give you a little bit of history of my office. Prior to me being elected, the DAs before me ran this office without a budget Ooh. from the counties. Oh my goodness. The state gave them like $28,000. Wow. To run their office with, and that was it. Oh my gosh. And they were not allowed to private practice, so they had to pay their secretary now, I think the counties did kick in a little bit of supplemental pay for the secretaries, but as far as giving any like office or office supplies or anything like that, oh it was all. Gosh. So when I took office, there was between the two counties over 700 files. So that was my biggest hurdle 
was how am I going to overcome that big of a deficit when on average I indict anywhere from 50 to 75 new cases per county a year. So you're bringing in that many more and having to deal with the backlog. Uh, we were able to do that and thankfully for the Haynesville Shell and the property that the counties had, we were able to uh, get the counties to kick in some money. And so now instead of it just being me and one secretary, it's me and a secretary and a paralegal and an uh, investigator. And so we're a lot more efficient and we're able to move a lot more files and take care of business until, well, I guess almost two years ago when COVID struck. And now it's very hard because we have not been able to have a criminal jury trial in almost two years. Ooh. And it's hard, it's hard to move cases when, you, when defendants don't believe you can take them to trial anyway. Right. It becomes a game. Yeah, they don't want to plead because yeah. what are you going to do? You can't take us to trial. Hopefully that's going to change. Monday we're set for our first jury trial for in two years. Yay. And uh, hopefully it'll go through and we won't have any problems with COVID or anything like that. And everything will work wonderfully. And, and maybe then people will see, oh, wait a minute, we need to take care of it. But that's, that's the biggest challenge now. We've, uh, because of COVID and the inability I mean, for the first six months of COVID, we weren't able to move any cases. We couldn't even have the plea dates like we had today in court. We weren't able to do that. Uh, we're, our backlog is built up pretty big in both counties now too. So I've got a good staff, we're addressing it. Like I said, we get this trial going, then we can start trying them. I guess that's been the biggest challenge to the office so far. Well, you're talking about how um, COVID has made things so much more difficult well, for everybody the past two years. Um, how has that affected your community? Have you seen more offenses or different kinds of offenses? Or what about the people in general? You know, it's interesting that you brought that up. Probably the first 11 years, I would say that 97% of the cases that came through my office were either drug cases or drug-related cases. And what I mean by that is most of your thefts or your robberies or your burglaries may not involve drugs directly, but it's be, there's being done in order to get money to, for people to purchase drugs. So it's a, I consider that a drug-related case. In my first 11 years before COVID, there were three homicides between the two counties. Wow. Since COVID, we've had seven homicides. Oh. Not counting three intoxication manslaughter. So we've had 10 deaths, 10 criminal deaths in two years and only three in the first 11 years. Wow. Other violent crimes have basically increased based on a, an exponential basis like that also. I mean, just numerous of sexual crimes against children, pornography, aggravated assault, aggravated assault family violence. I mean, just more than usual. Not all of that's drug related. So we're seeing a lot more crime that is not drug related than we did before. And I don't know if that's from people now getting jammed together and being stuck, isolated with, you know, with their family groups or what. I don't know what's causing it. Hmm. Do you think it um, has anything to do with people like losing their jobs or um, no way to earn any money? Or yeah, or, or the option of that. Maybe, maybe not that they weren't able to earn money, but now they've got more money than they've ever had and nothing to do. 
Oh, the stimulus checks? Yeah, I mean, you know, people getting laid off and they're drawing their unemployment benefits plus $600 a week. Wow. And you just got a lot of free time on your hand. Right. You know, and I don't know. If I knew, I probably would, <laughs> probably would have another job waiting for me. <laughs> That's right. He's in Washington, huh? Yeah, there you go. Well, do you have any challenges traveling back and forth between two counties? How would you compare them? Or? It's, it's not really a challenge because, I mean, it's a 25-mile commute. I actually live in Hip Hill, so when, I, when, I'm, in, when I'm working in St. Augustine, I, it's a 25-mile commute, which takes about 25 minutes. When you compare that to, say, when I was working in Beaumont and I lived across town, it was a 25-minute commute during the rush hour, you know, during the traffic. It's not that bad. Like I said, the hardest, the hardest thing about it is now it's really, really good because we actually have an office in both counties. When I first took office, we only had an office here in St. Augustine. In, in fact, we shared office with uh, Mr. Hoyt across the street because the county, this, the county was going through restoration here. Oh, and and so and this was not the DA's office. I mean, in fact, the DA had never had an office in the courthouse prior to us having this office. So you made a lot of progress. And... Uh, <laughs> And there's never been a DA's office in Sabine County. Oh my goodness. Ever. I mean, that's the first time there's ever been a DA's office in Sabine County. When I say this is the first judicial district, way back in time, I guess when they numbered the districts, the first judicial district had Orange County, Newton County, Jasper County, Sabine, and St. Augustine County. Oh. And as the communities have grown, they've, they've split off to where now it's just our two little counties left in this first judicial district. Okay, well, getting back to some of the cases you've worked on over the years, uh, what would you say are a couple of the most most puzzling ones for you? Puzzling? Uh, right now we're working on a murder case where we've been unable to locate the victim, and that's been a puzzling oh situation. Goodness. Very uh, troubling. Ooh. It's one of, our co- one of our COVID murders that... that that we've got, uh, we've got a great case. We just oh, that's creepy. Don't have a victim's body. We don't have a body, so that's that's been kind of strange. Uh, there's been, mm. you know, it, it's you can't go into a lot of details, but it, right. it's scary. I know that I have grand jurors that like people that have never served on a grand jury, and they hear when we present thirty or forty cases to them. And they just, when they're done, their jaws are just dropped because they can't believe this happens in little old bitty St. Augustine or little old bitty Sabine County. I mean, you know, we have the same crimes here that they have in Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin. Maybe not as much, but the same stuff happens here that happens there. I mean, and that's scary when you think about it. I mean, we had a case, in fact, six years ago, we tried a gentleman, and he was found guilty on three first-degree counts of delivery of controlled substance. And uh, the DEA agent that testified in that case testified that that guy was bringing anywhere from $7,500 to $22,000 worth of product into our communities. And he was buying that. The reason the DEA was involved is he was buying that directly from the cartel in Houston. Ooh, oh gosh. So, 
not a connection you want. <laughs> I mean, you know, when when you start thinking about that, I mean, those people then are reaching everywhere. Back in the day, before I became the DA, I remember reading about people cooking meth. That was mm-hmm. the big thing. They they had these little trailers and they would cook meth and. I thought it was funny that people were buying methamphetamines from some people I went to school with that couldn't even pass high school chemistry yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here they were cooking meth. But now uh, the meth that they're getting is so much purer and it's coming from Mexico and it's being processed by chemists that go down there and work for the cartel. It's pure, it's cheap. So it's, there's, we're not getting the people cooking it around. I mean, I'm sure there's still some, but it's not as widespread as it once was. So the cartel is reaching everywhere. Would you say that um, this area is kind of a, a midpoint passing through from Houston through Louisiana? I would say indirectly Houston, Louisiana, but I mean, between Lufkin and Louisiana. I mean, there's if you look at the map, Toledo Bend Lake covers a pretty good bit of East Texas. Well, there's the bridge across at Logansport, which is just north of the, the, the lake. There's the one bridge across the lake that runs through Sabine County, and then the road continues on and becomes either 21 and comes up this way through town, or 103 to Lufkin, which runs through, both run through St. Augustine County. And then the next time you can cross that is down in Burtville in Newton County, at the dam, you can go across the dam. So really right here is the only way straight across to Lita Bend Lake between Manny, Louisiana and say Lufkin. Are we a transition pretty, I, mean, I think it's a higher transition than we have law enforcement to cover. I think that if we had a big mm-hmm. drug interdiction between US 96 that runs north and south between both of the counties and then the 103-21 that runs east and west, yeah, I think that Unfortunately, we have the same myth problem everywhere everybody else does. Right. We just don't have the law enforcement to control it or patrol it the way maybe some of the bigger cities do. Right, I got you. We're we're spread out Mm -hmm. with a smaller force. Since we, I have to ask this, since we have Halloween coming up, I'm gonna ask, what are some of the most gruesome cases you've worked on? as far as assaults or murders or don't name any names or anything but we had the very first murder case that i ever handled as a prosecutor we get i get called by the sheriff and so when i get to the scene the, the texas ranger along with he brought he was a in addition to being a ranger he was an instructor at angelina college at their police academy so he brought his evidence class <laughs> to the class <laughs> to calm wow. the area for evidence and of course the body's still there I mean everything is Ooh. this guy I mean the guy ended up admitting I mean he, he signed a judicial confession and basically told a story about what happened and he ended up going to the penitentiary for a long time I think 60 years is what we plea bargain he had a 410 shotgun he was living in a little travel trailer out in the woods and a guy went and cut his electricity off, his breaker box off. And so when the guy came out, he shot him. Mm. And then he said, the guy was holding a gun when he came out. Of course, obviously somebody cut your electricity off. We shot him and he said, the guy started reaching for the gun. So he shot him again. Ooh. And then 
He said, I walked over to him and he was, he, the guy had lost an eye earlier in his life and he said his eye was looking at me so I put my gun in his mouth and put him out of his misery. Ooh. <laughs> and so they were able actually to, they retrieved uh, part of the shotgun casing out of the guy's skull. I mean, it was, so yeah, it was pretty yeah. gruesome. I mean, you know, when we have I mean, we, anything involving kids. I mean, we had we had a baby. We've had a couple of baby deaths, not necessarily intentional, but through neglect. And I mean, those are gruesome. We, That's sad. We hate that. I mean, but we've just got some stuff. I mean, we've got we had a houseboat fire. Mm. Where everybody thought it was a fire, and there was a poor victim that burned up in it, and then oh. the ME found out he had two bullet holes in his bed. Oh, oh. <laughs> so. There's another one of our murder cases we're working on currently. Oh. So evidently somebody tried to cover up the, the bullet holes through fire, but it didn't quite work. And so, you know, and, and it's just, like I said, it's scary. I mean, we've got the one that I told you about that's a challenge that we can't find the body. And I mean, you know, just they have a blue star that lights up blood and they were, this guy had tried to clean and when and they just happened to find a piece what appeared to be some blood, so they put a blue star on it, and the whole inside of this band just lights up. So, Ooh. I mean, it was just oh, that's creepy too. So you know, it's it's yeah, something happened. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad stuff. How many would you say uh, murderers you have you have brought to trial and convicted just over the years? Well, the three that we've had. Three that we had prior, we, we got convictions on those. One of them was for, a, well, two of them were for lesser included offenses. We ended up pleading them down due to some facts that were involved that we felt justified that. The ones that happened during COVID are still pending. I mean, we haven't had a chance to try cases. So right, I guess those right. three are the only three, but we're going to have a bunch of them between now and the next two years. No, you're going to be busy. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, we've got one in Hip Hill set for trial for January 24th. Pretty bad deal. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into any details on that. No, that's still pending. Yeah. 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 And I don't want to have a motion to transfer venue because I've <laughs> no, no, no. leaked stuff no, no. to the press. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, just kind of wrap up in general. What is your, your personal, I guess, philosophy about the criminal justice system here in Texas? You know, I've always been a firm believer in our criminal justice system. Are there flaws? Yeah. Have there been people wrongfully convicted? Yeah. Have there been people that have gotten off that should have been convicted? Oh, yeah. And, and, And people ask me all the time about things like that, and I'm like, you know, our goal is to not convict anybody that's not guilty. And if you if your goal is that, then some people that are guilty walk because you want to make sure that you don't convict right. innocent people. Some are going to slip through the cracks. I mean, as compared to third world countries where they just punish you based on allegations that they believe you did it. So right. that, you know. Any little thing. Huh? You know, and we have. We've had some mistakes. We had a deal where uh, a gentleman uh, failed to register as a sex offender. There's sometimes when that's a lifetime registration requirement that they have to do it for the rest of their life. And then there's sometimes where that's limited to a number of years where they only have to register for a certain number of years. Well, when we went and looked at the DPS criminal history, they had him listed as a lifetime registration. He failed to register. He pled 
for failure to register, and the judge sentenced him to the penitentiary. While he was in the penitentiary, one of one of the innocence lawyers filed a petition bill of review with the Court of Criminal Appeals and said that he was only limited number of years he was supposed to report. And at that time it passed that we actually convicted him after that he wasn't supposed to report anymore. Well, I immediately ordered a copy of the judgment from the county where he was sentenced. And lo and behold, DPS had gotten it wrong on their criminal history. So we immediately bench warned him back to Sabine County and let him out of jail. I mean, there was, I mean, you know, unfortunately there was nothing I could do that more than six months had, I couldn't file a motion for a new trial and reverse it, but I was able to agree to the bill of review and allow the court to do away with that, that prior charge. I mean, contrary to what people might believe, my job is not to convict people. Code of Criminal Procedure, one of the very first articles of that says that my job is to seek justice. And in that case, that gentleman got out of prison and he got compensated. There's a, the state has a compensation package that they pay people that are wrongfully, wrongfully uh, convicted, or not wrongfully convicted, but wrongfully incarcerated. Wow. And uh, in that case, I, I think I even signed a statement that, that, he, that, it, that I, we'd made a mistake. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, it just, unfortunately, sometimes justice requires me to take something back. Yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do. Well, that takes a big man to do that. Well. It does. Makes the job hard, that's for sure. You know, it's really funny because, and, and then I didn't think about it. I mean, I was a plaintiff's lawyer. My, when I first got out, I represented plaintiffs in personal injury cases uh-huh. and, and things like that. So I've always represented people. The other side was the other side. I didn't have to worry about them. They had lawyers to worry about themselves. As a prosecutor, you represent the people of the state of Texas, which means in a roundabout way, I'm representing everybody in that courtroom, including the defendant. I've got to make sure his rights are, just like he's got a lawyer to make sure of that, but I've got to make sure that I don't do anything to violate those rights also. So at the same time, I mean, people don't understand, at the same time a prosecutor's prosecuting somebody, they're also protecting and making sure they don't violate that person's rights. It's a tough job. I mean, it's... You oversee all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Like I said, it's a fun job, but it's, it's tough. Well, you have to know a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate now. We've got you and several other lawyers that have, that have come up to our county and, and doing criminal work and doing a great job. For many years, we had one lawyer. Ooh. And he was he was doing it all. Oh my goodness! And uh, it was I can't imagine that. You no, know, I mean we just we just had one criminal defense lawyer, and that was it. And one DA. And one DA, and that's just wow. the way it works, you know. Oh gosh, <laughs> you know? that's strange to think about. But like I said, now we've got a slew of you guys that <laughs> come in here, and doing a great job. And it makes my job easier, but and you wouldn't think that when you have really good really good lawyers representing these people and doing their job right, protecting their client, then I don't have to worry as much about making sure their client's protected because they've got y'all. I see. You see, so it makes my job easier to deal with lawyers that I know are doing a good job. And you, know, you and yeah. the other guys all Thank do good you. jobs. We try, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> no, it wears on you, I know it yeah. does. Well, what do you do for a relaxation? I know you're working very, very hard, so there must be something well, 
Are you a fisherman or you like to I, hunt? Or? I really, I guess my hobby is playing golf. But the way you ask that is, what do I do for relaxation? I think I'm <laughs> as tense, as intense a golfer as I am a DA. I don't think it's really a relaxing hobby. Oh. <laughs> but it's like the practice of law. You never, we're always practicing law. Mm-hmm. We're never perfecting law. We're never, I mean, we're, we're always practicing. That's true. Well, at golf, you never beat golf. You always could have played better. You could have made that putt. You could have made that shot. You, I mean, even if you shoot your best personal score, you can always look back and go, you know, if I'd have made that putt, my hobby is as frustrating as my career, I guess I should say. That's interesting. I wouldn't have looked at it that way. Yeah. But I see that. And, I don't know, it's a one-on-one thing. I mean, it's... So that's kind of the way you tackle life. You're always perfecting it. Yeah, you're just you're... always practicing. <laughs> well, getting better and, getting, right. and learning more. That's interesting. But it's it's a it's almost as bad as a mistress though because it's <laughs> you know an average round is three to four hours and you know so you're gone from home. You're just you know. <laughs> well, we don't want to go there. <laughs> my wife's like my wife. My wife is. I guess you got a golf tournament this week. Yeah. I do. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, and I, I rephrase that because you asked me what was my most relaxing thing. I, my oldest daughter blessed me with my first grandchild. Oh, uh, that's She's 18 fun. months old. Yes, yes. And I will say that probably every weekend that I'm off work, I'm visiting with her. Yeah. And playing with her. That's a new so, phase of life, and oh, it, yeah. it's a lot of fun, isn't it? But there's a reason that young people have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> At 18 months, you wouldn't think she'd be that hard to keep up with when she is. Oh, boy. Oh, well, I've really uh, enjoyed talking with you this afternoon. Well, I thank you for inviting me to have a say. I've learned a lot, that's for sure. I hope it hasn't been bad. <laughs> no, no, no. You're you're a very hard worker. You've it's, got a big job here. It, wow. It's it's a good job. I mean, it really is. It, you know, I, as I said, I practiced personal injury law, and I when I was doing personal injury law, financially it was probably more rewarding, but satis- personal satisfaction. This job's a lot better. That's the kind of person we want in office. Well, representing us. Absolutely. I hope so. I'll be here till they tell me they don't want me anymore. <laughs> Okay. All right. We're going to count on that. All right. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you.